And I mean, I think as mothers and, and parents, like we all can identify with like, how am I supposed to fit all of these things in, in a single day? And, you know, the mindset of like, we all have the same 24 hours is in theory, correct, but you know, also not. Right. So, so yeah, for me, it was just, I think, remembering that 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 good feeling and hanging on and believing that I could attain it um, to answer your question. But then also just like starting to learn that lesson of taking on less than I thought I needed in order to reach my goal. You are listening to the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast with your host, Eric Logan. No Gimmicks Just Sweat is dedicated to hearing the journeys and unique stories behind an athlete's training and what drives them. Get inspired to own your life and make the impossible possible. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, please take a few seconds to rate the show and drop me a review. Now, let's get started with the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of No Gimmicks Just Sweat. And today we welcome Nell Fox to the show. Nell, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in July. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a beautiful day outside. You know, I am looking out of a window now. Um, just realizing that it is going to be hot this afternoon. Very hot. And yes, I'm like, I want to leave <laughs> That's right. It's going to be a beautiful day from my air-conditioned office. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right. So as we start with every show, we kind of start with like a little warm-up uh, of icebreaker questions that, you know, kind of gets you ready to go and talk about your story. But it also gives the listeners a chance to get an idea of who you are. And at the same time, it allows me to learn a little bit more about you. So are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. All right. So let's start with morning runs or evening runs. Definitely morning runs. Solo runs or group runs? I would say it depends. And I don't know if you want me to go more into that or. You can. Feel just free. keep it short. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, if I have like a specific workout that I'm trying to accomplish, tend to go solo, but if I don't really have any paces that I'm supposed married to, if it's a long run or a recovery run, I don't, I'm happy to have go on a group run. Okay. All right. Run on the treadmill or run outside? I would say mostly run outside. Majority okay. of the time. Yeah. I was going to be surprised if you say a treadmill. <laughs> yeah it's only for marathon training working on my my marathon pacing that i'm on the treadmill okay trail runs or road runs well i think that a lot of these i feel i feel like i'm fence a little bit uh <laughs> it depends on what i'm training for sometimes like you know i burn out on one a little bit like trail ultra running uh and i'll end up on the road a lot um, and then when I'm kind of tired of the road, I end up on the trails. So it's a nice give and take between the two. I'm definitely a high runner. Okay, cool. All right. What's your favorite distance to run? 
Right now, I would definitely say the marathon. I think that's one that I've kind of dialed in just getting my effort and my race execution in in line. But, uh, you know, I, I would love have my favorite race be something that takes less than an hour. So I'll work on that one. (laughs) All right. What's the first thing you do after a race? Celebrate. I think. Yeah. Celebrate, find the people that I care about. um, Start talking about the race, maybe put on a pair of pants. Um, Yeah. Put on a pair of pants. Okay. That's new. Well, I mean, I guess I think about like the last race that I did and it, it started out kind of on the warmer side where we started. And then when we finished, or like, I guess big race that I did, uh, when we finished, it was really windy and cold. Um, and so I was really excited to put on a pair of pants. Okay. All right. What's, what's a dream race for you to run? Uh, one that I haven't run yet, but okay. Um, I would probably, yeah, my top, go ahead. I was going to say it could be anywhere in the world. Yeah, my top, I guess I'd bring it down to three. Um, Okay. I really want to run in Berlin. I run the Berlin Marathon. Uh, I've been to Germany once when I was a teenager and would love to go back and see that through adult eyes. But also, that's just how I I like to run to see new places. Um, I would love to run the CIM marathon, uh, just with how fast it is, you know, it'd be just really cool to train and, and get out there um, with that field. And then uh, my third would probably be the Pinhody 100 mile trail race. Um, and I'm from Alabama originally. And um, I would say that race, and my dad used to take me camping in Chiaha, which is on the course for Penhody on the Penhody Trail. And I just think that'd be a really cool way to get back to him. He, he passed to so. Okay. I'm going to make that for sure. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, you definitely have to do. All right. If you can go on a run with any celebrity or athlete, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, that's so hard. Um... I would love to run with Shalane Flanagan. I just think she has done so much for the running community and specifically the female running community. And it would just be such an honor to, to be in her presence for a run. Okay. All right. Last question. Dream location anywhere in the world that you want to go for a run, not necessarily a race, but just to go run just for the experience. Oh, I would probably say any rail trail um, that is at an elevated location. So like it's in the mountains, more or less. Um, And the only reason I say that experienced it and it was just amazing, um, breathtaking. Um, I ran the Jack and Jill downhill marathon last year and hands down, it was like the most beautiful chill race ever but really just the the surroundings of that race and you were so engaged 
love here, but it's also nice to kind of zone out and not have attention to rocks and roots and things like that. So just like right. a crushed gravel path and just taking in in the vista is just incredible. So any elevated rail trail. Okay, cool. All right, so now, what is your story? How did you get into running? How did you get your superpowers to run? You know, because I always tell people, think of it as you are a superhero sharing your origin story <laughs> with the world. So who are you and how did you get to be the superhero that you are? Yeah, I really like that perspective on everyone. Like we all have different gifts and they come out in different races, different distances, different um, modalities. But for me, I, I realized I was a runner when I was in grade. <laughs> I think that you, um, the intramural track that elementary schools in my district had, um, and we would, you know, compete to see who would get to be on a team for the relay and but yeah, so I I tried out for the relay and found myself on the A team. And I wouldn't say like I was not a cool kid or anything, but like being able to to qualify for the A team made me feel really cool. It made me feel like I had a superpower, like you were saying. Um, and so that's kind of when I first realized that I could be really good at running. And uh, I did that for two years in a row, the fifth and sixth to do that and I ended up going out for cross country and track and field my seventh and eighth grade year and more or less just fumbled through that I think I was pretty good at it but I definitely did not feel well I uh all of my runs were fueled by Grapeco and Reese's Cups like immediately beforehand so you can imagine that probably was not a very pleasant digestive experience um <laughs> But uh, I, I really did enjoy the runs that went well and did perform pretty well. But I, I did end up with a significant back injury at, towards the end of my eighth grade career um, in track. And wow. uh, yeah, so it, um, it more or less derailed me and unable to compete at States. Um, that year I competed at States the year before and was on the winning four by 400 meter relay team. So, you know, it was a huge disappointment because I was definitely growing, but I had to get better first. And at that time, I really just had my hands and everything um, in my body as well. I was dancing five days a week on top of track and field. And so I just, you know, as adults now, we are, you know, more keen, um, and understanding of like what overtraining can look like and feel like. And at that time I just was scraping the barrel every single day. So it's no surprise that I got hurt, but um, it did take me, you know, six or seven months to recover. And I more or less took um, a four year break from competing. And when I came back to high school, my senior year, I competed in the 55 meter dash which um, is funny now that I run marathons, but more or less, I, I went to States in the 55 
and then right before outdoor season opener, I tore my ACL pole vaulting. So um, injured again, went to college with a recovering ACL reconstruction, tried to compete, but just couldn't get, um, like I had a, a difficult time recovering from surgery. I really had a low pay t- pain tolerance and um, struggled to find the motivation to do my rehab exercises and uh, had a significant amount of scar tissue and could not regain a full range of motion. So I, I did quit the team and moved on to taking like spin classes and body pump classes, some of which I had taken in high school when I was not training for track. But um, anyway, I had a second surgery at the end of my um, freshman year of college to remove scar tissue. And since then, more or less, I've had very little pain every now, a little bit of a crunch crunch, but, you know, nothing that I can't handle or, or rehab now. Um, so I, I more or less just dabbled. I did a little bit of triathlons and things like that. Um, I, got, I did get married. I had, got pregnant. I had one child, did a triathlon, tried to figure out what it was like to be what it means to be healthy and to eat well. I definitely think my nutrition, my understanding of nutrition based on the food pyramids that were provided to us. Um, I, I took them seriously, but when you say like, I don't remember what it was, maybe eight to 10 servings of carbohydrates a day, my understanding was that was bread. And so I was just like inhaling bread, you know, and <laughs> thinking like, yeah, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> but I mean, I, I figured out, a more balanced approach after my first child was born. And um, I think she was six months old when I got pregnant with my second daughter. And uh, that was a high-risk pregnancy and um, really difficult emotionally. And so after she was born, I had a 27-hour labor with her and just very traumatic. My husband at the time was in the military and he was not there. And Um, You know, it was just really difficult with the high risk circumstances um, that after she was born and she had been whisked away to a transition nursery, which wouldn't stabilize after birth. And, you know, I just lay there in in the bed, just like processing all that had transpired and just this big um, mountain of a task, you know, to deliver a child and, um, in those circumstances. And I was just like, well, if I can do that, I can do anything. And, you know, I really want something that just makes me feel empowered and strong because, you know, I am strong now, but I just, that situation just left me feeling like, I don't know, like I needed to heal in some capacity. And so I decided that run a half marathon 10 months later. So I wanted to give myself plenty of time to heal and recover and not um, get injured. You know, like I had a history of injury and I just really wanted to prevent that from reoccurring. And in the process of training for this half marathon, I just found myself really loving running. Like it was running for me. I'd always, you know, thought I was a sprinter. And so like running a half marathon was like a gargantuan task to me because it would mean not sprinting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yeah, definitely don't want to do that. But 
it, it was such a great process. And um, I, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, and the Birmingham Track Club is just a well-established community. And uh, I started getting connected with them the more that I built endurance and, you know, found myself believing that I, I could go out and I could run with other people. I could do the group runs for a certain point where I could run continuously and just really fell in love with the positivity and just the kindness of the community. Um, I think it was at one race that one of my uh, peers was talking about going to the Boston Marathon and how she qualified and she was going to dance her whole way through Boston. And I was like, man, that's so awesome. Like I do that. And so I, you know, I just like bottoms up on the Kool-Aid and just really um, dove in to the deep end. And basically, you know, that that's a start. I think there's so much more to share about my journey, but it's such a long story. I don't know how long you <laughs> you want me to share but that's more or less how I got started and um yeah there's certainly a lot more to come well there's all more story it means I can bring you back on the show in the future <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's perfectly true <laughs> yeah well one thing I do want to kind of um step back and let's talk about is that you know you know it sounds like you've had you know a number of injuries you know starting with you know in when you were in uh, middle school. Yes. You know, how did you find the inspiration and the courage to keep going? Because I know sometimes when people, you know, they kind of have recurring injuries, you know, a lot of times people are just like, you know what, this must not be for me, so I'm just going to stop. You know, what kept you going? What encouraged you to keep going? Oh, you know, I think just my love of, and I didn't realize it at the time that I was really just an endurance athlete with some decent turnover. But when I would be bored at my house, you know, something that no one really experiences, I feel like at least with kids anymore, <laughs> like <laughs> trying to find things to entertain yourself with. And like, I'd be bored or just wanting to get out of the house. And so I would run to the local, they call it a village. It's just a little town but I would run to Crestline Village from the house and I would just get into that rhythmic state after the first couple of, you know, hills where you just kind of suffer. Um, but then you steady, um, you have any pace that you can hold. And I just loved that. I loved that feeling. And so when I remembered that feeling, it was something that even though like I was injured and, or he, I was healed from the injury, but I wasn't necessarily training with the team. It was something that I would find myself wanting to go do and you know I I more or less ran by effort in my mind that run was only three miles well since you know having things like Garmin and Strava and Coros I have discovered that it's actually a six mile and it just makes <laughs> me laugh <laughs> um just a, what we imagine that to be um in our estimation of the distance but you know, in, in going towards training myself, so I did train myself for that half marathon. I just had to think about like doing less than what I think I needed to do and really just trying to back off the intensity, like not overdoing it because that is in my nature. I am just the kind of person that will bite off more than she can chew and you know commit to too many things 
and, you know, ask myself why I'm just so exhausted (laughs) (laughs) and be like surprised when someone's like, your schedule recently? (laughs) (laughs) So, and I mean, I think as mothers and, and parents, like we all can identify with like, how am I supposed to fit all of these things in, in a single day? And, you know, the mindset of like, we all have the same 24 hours is in theory, correct, but you know, also not. So, so yeah, for me, it was just, I think remembering that, that, that good feeling and hanging on and believing that I could attain it um, to answer your question, but then also just like starting to learn that lesson of taking on less than I thought I needed in order to reach my goal. Okay. So looking at today, what does a week of training look like for you? You know, um, pretty much what is your weekly training schedule? Um, so I am in a point where it does vary a little bit more on like what day I do which thing in general I'm going to have a long run on Saturday or Sunday twice a week I go through um, my maintenance routine which is a series of hip strengthening and um, posterior chain activating exercises Um, things that help with especially hip mobility that's a big issue for me so I do that twice a week Um, you know two other times a week I do approximately 15 minutes of upper body work paired with some core work but on average I run during the week between six and ten miles three maybe four times a week And then I'll run one to two times on the weekend. Um, My training, I also think about my recovery exercises. So I'm in my compression boots uh, at least three times a week. I'm sitting in front of my red light machine. Any, any day that I'm in my office, I'm in, I'm in front of that. Um, And then probably three or four times a week, I'm taking an Epsom salt bath just making sure that I get plenty, plenty of protein. So yeah, the, there's the active training. So that like intentional recovery piece that is also embedded in there. Um, if I happen to sense any kind of niggle, anything that's bothering me in general, I will make space in my programming to um, address that. I always do a pre-run routine before any run that I do and I'll, you know, before a a speedy workout, I'm doing my, my drills, um, after my warm up. So that's, that's more or less the, the equation for my week. Okay. Now, are you self-trained or do you train with a coach? So I am self-trained. I have had two coaches plus my husband, if you want to count that, but I wouldn't say that went very well. (laughs) Um, So I, I have, I trained with someone that helped me get ready for my first marathon. And I just felt, I felt like my training was not very specific to the event based on what I know. Now I did decide after 
that training cycle that I wanted to get certified as a running coach, a lot of people had started asking me like how I, how I got started because I went from, you know, having a baby to, you know, uh, maybe a month later, which was a little sooner than I should have um, admittedly started training. Um, But I was running for maybe 15 minutes in like the dead of July. So it was like nothing to write home about. There was a lot of sucking wind and, you know, it was only about 15 minutes. Uh, But I, you know, over the course of my journey that year, like I did have people start asking me questions and I felt like my training plan that I had made for myself was progressive, um, you know, and, and, and building without, you know, causing injury, but I couldn't really quite understand why it was. Um, so I, I do like to know the why of things. And the more and more I read, the more and more I'm like, wow, I have so much more to learn because there's so much behind all of the why. Um but what I encountered like with trying to get other coaches is that I was starting to struggle with uh, help. I couldn't quite explain. And so what a person might typically recover from in a given week, for example, would take me significantly longer to recover from. And um, so it just kind of felt like, they didn't quite, no one really could coach that. I just had to start listening to my body. And like, if I wasn't feeling recovered, I just had to completely abandon the workout. And um, so I I have been coaching myself since then. I think just because of the limited number of coaches available to coach someone with chronic disease, um, and just like navigating somewhat unpredictability of having that. And I'm happy to share more about that later, but um, learning to intuitively coach myself has been hands down the best way to keep myself healthy and not completely burned out. Okay. So as an, as a athlete, as a runner, um, Finding balance is something that we all struggle with. Um, how do you manage to stay balanced and calm these days? And, you know, that's kind of a, is a, a, a open-ended question because, you know, you, you have children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so that could be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it all comes down to priorities. Like, and one thing I talk to my athletes about a lot because I do coach people is, you know, this is to be a complement to your life. And if this is your number one priority over, you know, your children and your family, like there are consequences for that. Um, and just like, I, that's something I have to keep in mind as well, because I, I do feel I have more of a type A personality that would benefit from you know, having that heart-centered compassion for myself when life just gets a little chaotic. Um, And I think being very intentional uh, as much as possible is the best way to keep things in their proper pecking order, so to speak. And, you know, I, I think about this past spring just with my children and 
extracurriculars, you know, in two different locations where one is starting or one is ending as the other one is starting and just like, how do I be in two places at once and just trying to coordinate all of those things and getting home later and recognize like, you know, if I'm going to bed later, then I'm probably not going to be as fresh in the morning. And am I sacrificing too much sleep? And do I need to just modify my expectations for my training during the season? Um, because everything, it, it's, it's a seasonal, right? Nothing is permanent. And I don't want my children to feel like they're not getting the support that they need because I'm out training. So in general, most, most all of my runs are in the morning um, because I have, um, my children have a, a different home with their dad. And I'm, I am remarried. Um, the time that they're with their father, actually how I got into ultra running, that would be the time that I would really schedule with, you know, training and um, adventures and things like that. Things that lit my fire and got me excited um, but yeah, even on the weeknights that they would be with him, that would be the time where maybe I would go to the gym in the afternoon and have a really big, um, training workout and strength training workout that I would, you know, double up on that day, recover the next day. Um, so it's, it all comes down to like that scheduling piece for me and, you know, just a little bit here and there. Um, exercise snacks and things like that um, go a long way but ultimately it just comes down to like making sure the priorities are in order because if you're like feeling bad while you're out on a run because you're feel like you should be you're probably not getting as much out of that run as you would be if you had just you know said it's okay I'll do it when the timing is better and just because you don't have like this this is the same schedule that I do every week um, doesn't mean that you aren't going to get the training benefits. It's more so the average of, uh, you know, elevating the average of your training as opposed to like perfect execution of your training. That's going to get you the results on race day. If that's what you're looking for. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So you are also the owner of Excel Rocktown running. So what is that? You know, explain. How would you sell that to someone like me or someone who you're, who's asking about it that is curious about what you have to offer? Sure. So XL Rocktown Running started approximately five years ago after I had gotten my um, running certification. I got a TRX strength certification. I was working on my health coaching certification and now um, my personal training certification, but more or less it's, it's a, a comprehensive training opportunity where I, I feel it's really important for the athlete to be enriched with resources on basically how to care for themselves as an athlete in a human being and however else they define themselves as, um, and then empower them to, you know, start making choices that give them, you know, a sense of agency. Like they're not, their training isn't happening to them. Like they are an active participant in their training and more or less like, so my slogan is enrich, empower, excel. And through the of 
explaining why we do certain workouts and empowering people to um, more or less carry out that enrichment themselves. Like they, they are going to feel um, a sense of excellence in the work that they do on themselves. And a lot of people will come to me with what they perceive running to be, uh, or they think that it's this thing that's, you know, maybe even intangible, like, or, or just out of reach for them. And that coaching is something for only people that are elite athletes. And so a lot of what I, I aim to do is demystify you know, how to run easy. You know, I, that was something I struggled with for a while. And now, you know, just running easy is, it's such a gift. So just like teaching people the, how to set an intention, like keep in mind the intention for this workout is X, Y, Z. And if, if you're not going along with the intention, then, you know, all of the pieces don't necessarily fit together quite the way we want them to. And every now and then we can catch up um, you know, with the security net will take care of that. But um, more or less like teaching people how to make running flex with their life, with the information that they're being provided. Um, so I also provide a functional strength training that's more or less designed to help us move better when we run, move better and feel better. Um, I provide supplemental exercises like my maintenance routine I referred to earlier, foam rolling routines. Uh, they're able to synchronize their workouts and I can look to see and give them feedback. I do ask for my athletes to be reflective and ask questions and um, not be afraid to tell me what's going on in their life because it helps me, again, be a very heart-centered, athlete-centered, compassionate coach if I can know what's going on with them, it helps me get, give them better insight as to what um, is going on in their workouts and in their races and, and things like that. So more or less, it is um, an integrative coaching service that focus on the whole person, uh, but also working on development, development as an athlete, just getting stronger and all that. Okay. That, that was a good selling point. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm still, <laughs> I'm not really much of a salesperson. I think um, when I talk about the services I provide, it's not as easy as going out and talking about like something that someone else is selling. Like I, I could talk to you about my favorite shoes or something like that. And you'd <laughs> want to go like buy them just like that. You know, it's just, right. you know, talking about that authenticity, it just, you know, or, or, or certain people that sell things that just feels icky, you know, when you haven't received like any communication from someone and uh, suddenly they're trying to sell you a product or something like that. Right. I just, I, I really try to avoid that. And, um, I love, I love the sport so much and that I hope is the selling point, just like my passion to learn more and be committed to constantly elevating the service that I provide. That's, that's my hope. That's what I hope will sell when people come to work with me. So. 
Okay. And like I said, I could, as you were explaining, I could hear the passion in your voice. You know, so, you know, whereas that, you know, you have a lot of people who um, they start these businesses and it's more of selling you to, you know, trying to choose my words very carefully. <laughs> well, of course. You know, um, they're trying to show you how to get faster. Or, you know, you know, for lack of a better term. Right. And not necessarily the sale of enjoyment, you know, enjoying the 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 art of moving, you know, right. for lack of a better term, you know, to enjoy movement. To enjoy right. you know, because enjoying your movement means enjoying life. Right. And that is so important. Like movement is is life. Movement is right. medicine. I actually my favorite, one of my favorite um, Lululemon shirts, um, when you lift up the bottom hem, it says movement is medicine. And I'm like, y'all need to just put this on the front of the shirt, like for everyone to see. It doesn't have to be a secret resting against my belly upside down. <laughs> you know, um, I, I truly believe that. But if you just do running, I do believe you're missing out on the opportunity to level up um, and it doesn't have to be about getting faster it could be about just feeling better in the way that you move and for me like absolutely if you want to get faster I can help you um, with that but some people their goal is like one of my amazing clients oh my gosh I just love her so much she came in for a gait analysis last week and we were just laughing the whole time um, but, you know, her goal this spring was to run a marathon that she could feel proud of. And it right. was like, okay, that is the goal. There's no other goal but that. Um, and so whenever, like, something would go awry, it's comparing what's going on versus the goal at hand. Like, is it okay if you walk? Will you still be fat, proud if, if you walk during your marathon? Okay, then, like, you know, we proceed as planned because she's a mother, Um you know, sometimes the training just, it doesn't get to where we want it to be, but can we run it safely um, without hurting ourselves? And can we still get out of the marathon what we want? Sometimes like, you know, for me, I think, and I could talk all day and I go off on tangent after tangent, but, you know, I have certain goals for my marathons that are time-based, but at the same time, like I want to go out there and I want to have a good time because that's the feeling that I remember when I was a little girl. And that's every time I go out for a run, I'm reconnecting with that middle school, that middle school girl that was going out for an alleged three mile run and just blissing out, you know? Um, so like for me, it's just important to look at the big picture and not obsess too much because in a race that can completely derail a time, a time-based goal. Right. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to you running. And I have a two-part question for you. Okay. So what is your proudest moment? And let's, let's not just leave it at running, you know, because you've also done triathletes, uh, triathlons as well. So what is your proudest moment as an athlete? And the second part of that question, what is your worst moment or biggest mistake as an athlete? Whew, okay, I got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I would say my proudest moment as an athlete was training for the Jack and Jill marathon summer. Um, again, that was, that's my favorite marathon to date in terms of just like beauty. I mean, just your mind is just in this happy place because it's just so beautiful. You can't be mad. It's too beautiful. Um, but you know, that race was a race that I, you know, it was high risk, high reward for me. And my goal was my a goal, right? If we're looking at time was to run a 310, but I was thinking I'd probably run a 315. Um, I had qualified for Boston back in 2019. And then obviously the, the world went awry and things shut down and I, I had to requalify for Boston 2022 because I, I had already had plans. I was going to run Grindstone last fall. Um, and so it was not going to work for me to even try to get registered for Boston 2021. And so, and I wouldn't have made the cutoff anyway. It was like seven plus minutes or something. And I only had like a 446. So I want to just blow it out of the park. I didn't want to be, there to be any question as to whether or not I would get into Boston. And, you know, that had been a really long time dream for me. We're, we're talking seven years, maybe more at that point um, of working towards it. And so you know, I had reached out to a couple of women in my area. I think you might have interviewed Sophie Lambert um, yeah. but yes. and Joan uh, Bienvenue. And she she's a master's athlete, but just like so mentally tough. And just like asking them like, okay, like what is this feeling like? Because it was something that was new to me. What is this feeling like to go out this fast at the beginning of a marathon? Like, you know, how like just getting trying to get as much experiential information from the women in my area that have gone before, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, I, I definitely, I, there was a, a moment getting ready before the starting line for that race where they were like, okay, if you're planning on running this finishing time, you need to be in this first group. And it was like right on the cusp for me. And I had to make the decision then and there. Um, and I stepped up and it was like, okay, I'm going to hang out in the back, but like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to face everything and rise, like no matter what happens. And, um, you know, we went through the two mile tunnel at the beginning and fumbled with our headlamps at the end of the tunnel and got those deposited. And, um, you know, that race really, it, it was a hard race. Like, I think at the half marathon point, I was like, oh, snap. Like, I definitely feel like I'm a little low on electrolytes and the sun is coming out, um, you know, and I, I think I assessed, I addressed that situation pretty well, tried to respond by getting more electrolytes in my body, refueling than, than you know, was planned. Um, and, you know, I hit a stride at mile 21 I think we kind of turned onto this trail that was almost like single track, but not quite and dipped way under goal pace. And um, it was around that time that I realized like I could walk, run the rest of this and I will qualify 
for Boston, but it, it just knowing at that point and like at each mile in the race beyond the half marathon, I've never run this far, this fast before. So every single mile onward from here is victory, no matter what happens. And so at that point, I had this winning mentality, like it just didn't matter if anything else went wrong because I've done so well so far. Um, and there was a moment, I think at mile I think I had like a half mile to go and I realized like I wasn't going to hit 315. I was going to go like probably sub 310. And I couldn't believe that because I hadn't trained for sub 310. And um, I, I took a moment because like, I think my heart right just like skyrocketed. And I was like, I can't breathe. Like it was almost like this elation. Thing. And so I took like a 20 second walk just to process it. And then like there was this curve and I could hear people cheering and, you know, the finish line with all of the flags from the different countries represented were there. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I've done this. And it was just, yeah, that was the best race ever. (laughs) It was an incredible feeling to, you know, you know, reach for the moon and actually getting it, you know, it was, it was a huge, a huge uh, success for me. Okay. So now part two. Yes, the part worst, two. The worst. The moment. worst. Yes. Um, okay. So let's go back to 2018. 2018, I was training for the Richmond Marathon. And I was showing signs of health. So in the years um, 2016, I was diagnosed. Well, 2016 was the hell year where I just like, was steadily declining and there was no reason why. Um, I just couldn't explain it. And then in 2017, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and Babesia, Bartonella, um, which is cat scratch fever. Um, I had undiagnosed Epstein-Barr virus at that time because my clinician had forgotten to order the test. But I also had um, like adrenal insufficiency and HPA axis malfunction. So I just, my whole body was crashing. I was, I was more or less dying. I I could not breathe. My mental health was a wreck. Um, so I mean, it felt like a wave was coming over me and uh, I couldn't come up for air. And it, that was a, a really steep descent from where I'd been, you know, in 2015, I'd run Marine Corps and with like a 330. 37 or something. I almost qualified, but it was a great race. Anyway, so I was coming off in 2018. I'd been in recovery for a year and a half and was showing signs of improvement to the point where I was like, I think I can go for a Boston qualifier. And um, I was training for that race and I ran a 5k and I PR'd And then the next day I went for a long run and my back was just killing me. And I really just did not have a lot of back issues um, unless I was pregnant (laughs) or when I was, I had that injury when I was in middle school. So I I really more or less resolved those issues. So that was a huge discouragement. But, you know, instead of like really modifying my expectations for that race, and just focusing on like where I was then, I refused to accept it. And like many rookies in the marathon, I went out and I was like, I feel amazing. 
740 pace, no problem. And, you know, the half marathon distance comes along and it's like, uh-oh, mm. I'm not conditioned for this. Like my training did not um, continue in a path that suggested I'd be fine, you know, running that kind of pace. And I cried and my husband didn't tell me that he was coming out to that race. Um, he surprised me because I had had a bunch of races that I had like bailed on, like midway through the race. I just walked off the course. Like I, I was just not responding well. My fatigue was creeping up. It, it was not going well for me. And um, my husband was like, I called him. I was like, I messed up and like, I don't think I can keep going. Come and get me. And he was like, he was like, you can do this. And I'm actually here. So I didn't know he was there. I'm here. I'm at mile 14. And so he, he started running with me. And I think that was right after he had had us like a back surgery, but he was cleared to run. But we ran, walked that, and I just cried. Like, I just had so many tears um, because I felt like I was in a place where I was ready. And I, I really just needed a little bit more treatment. And I needed to um, kind of adjust my, basically, my treatment plan for how I was managing my disease. And, um, you know, it was just a very humbling experience. I think I finished in 3.38. So it was 3.37 or 3.38. So it was, you know, fairly comparable to my Marine Corps, just like a massive positive split. with just, you know, ridiculously humbling. I had, um, I had just made a, a big uh, mistake at the beginning of that race. I should have gone a lot slower. And, you know, I just did not really emotionally handle that failure in a way that I would look at back and be like, yeah, it was all right. Like it was not all right. <laughs> right. Well, well, we've all had a race that we've much faster than we should have. Oh, and we, yes. look, we look back at it and go like, yeah, I should have started off much slower. <laughs> well, and that was why I really wanted to consult with friends with the Jack and Jill race. Cause I was like, this is way, this is way more aggressive than I've ever gone out. But I think I could do it. And I just want to hear what you have to say, you know, and it's experiences like that in the past that make you want to really protect yourself going into the future. But if you're overprotective, you know, again, it's a high risk, high reward. But like, if you've done the good training for it, like, you've got to trust your training, and you've got to believe in yourself. Um, and, and try not to let, you know, the, the, you know, I guess, survival practices of your ego take over what could be an amazing opportunity and experience for you that day. Yes, definitely. So, so what is your current go-to running shoe? So I am loving my Saucony Endorphin Speeds. They, I like to call them the Alpha Fly Light. Okay. They feel a lot like the Alpha Fly in their buoyancy and their responsiveness. And I just feel like they help or at least they help me have a, a nice turnover, get nice toe off, all of those things. I just, I love the way that shoe feels. I've tried shoes that I've worn in the past as just like a trainer while I was waiting for mine to come in um, shipment and it felt awful. 
So I am officially spoiled rotten <laughs> by that shoe. <laughs> All right. So if you can go back and tell your younger self something, what would it be? Yeah, that's tricky. Um, how young were you talking? <laughs> Whatever your high school years. Okay. Yeah, I think for me, I would have said start asking questions, not in like a like a questioning way, like I don't trust the training. But I, I think at that time, I was not prepared to be a student of the sport. And I wonder how that would have affected my overall career trajectory had I started becoming a student of the sport earlier. Um, you know, you can't really... I'm thinking about, you know, my husband and I are watching Outlander right now. And it's like, but if they go back history, like, what are the possibilities? The future may not even exist as it is now, you know? And it's like, so I, I think about like what my trajectory would have been. And maybe I would have had a more prolific high school and collegiate career. But at the same time, I love my life now. And I love what running gives me in this phase of life that I might not have if I continued to train through college. You know, I see some college athletes that have been just so burned by their collegiate experience that I'm like, I don't know if I wish that for myself, even if it means I would have maybe had a totally different experience with you know racing in general like if I were too but I don't know I just don't know you know we can all say what if um so I yeah I mean I would definitely say be a student of the sport but I don't necessarily have regrets on how things transpired okay. either okay so what is a non-running or non-athletic fact about you that most people don't know well I used to be a classically trained singer. And really? yes, I, I was in many operas um, in my high school years. And actually a fair amount of my middle and high school years were spent studying classical voice. I, again, as long as I <laughs> followed you, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's something like kind of like running. You have to exercise your voice and do warm up drills. And, you know, it's just all time. So it's kind of difficult to pursue those hobbies. But I will say, like, it's really nice to see a carryover of musicality in my children. Like, both of them can sing well. And, you know, actually, one of them I would probably say is borderline perfect pitch. But, you know, it's, I'm excited to see um, how they choose to use that aspect of their life. Both of them are very active as well, especially my older. She is very type A driven. But um, music is, is something that I just love so much. Um, maybe one day I'll sing in a choir again. Um, I loved singing with orchestras and brass and all of that. But, you know, we'll just 
you know, there's a lot of life left, I, I like to believe. And, um, you know, like I said, there's only so much time in the day. So I'm just, you know, waiting for waiting for opportunities to arise that, you know, make sense. So. Right. Yeah. Again, you know, I, I always learn something new. I was like, okay, <laughs> put this down by nails, a singer. Okay, I know that now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? Are you training for anything now? Is there a big race coming up? So next up for me um, is the Chicago Marathon that we had deferred from 2020. And um, in November, we are running, my husband and I are both running Chicago Marathon. And then um, I, we both are running the New York Marathon as well a month later. Well, I guess it's a little bit less than a month. But the plan for that is just to take it at a party pace and enjoy the experience. My husband and I both want to run all of the world majors. Um, so Chicago, I would like to really see what I'm capable of. I'm, I do believe that there is the potential for a three-hour marathon. But, you know, I, I don't want to marry myself to that and be disappointed. I just want to train and stay healthy. Um, keep my health at, at the um, the focus of all of my um, physical endeavors because without my health, I have nothing. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I, I'm excited to give this course um, my best, whatever my best is on that day. And um, if if I continue to tolerate just the cumulative effects of training through Chicago and New York. I may take another shot at Hellgate 100K um, that's here in Virginia. It's I think it's December 10th. So um, all that marathon training definitely could translate to a strong performance at Hellgate. Um, but um, I'm just trying to keep an open mind right now before I make any uh, committal decisions. I don't have to apply until early October anyway for that one. So I still have some time to decide. Okay, cool. All right, um, before we go, do you have any last words that you might want to share with the listeners? Oh, that's tough because I, I've been talking for a while, but... Um, you have a lot I to mean, share. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think my big message that I, I like to share is something that I learned from Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg in their book, Peak Performance. And they have a great podcast as well called The Growth Equation um, that I like to listen to. Um, they provide a lot of great science for their theories, but this equation changed my life and really helped me focus on healing instead of pushing to do more because that was, you know, my, my big thing, like biting off more than you could chew and just like always burning the candle at both ends constantly scraping the barrel. Um, but the equation is this stress plus rest equals growth. And so for all stressors in your life, if they're not paired with a period of rest, you're, you know, becoming more in like a deficit and it's really difficult for your body to make adaptations when your body isn't recovering. Um, and that's, same line of thought thinking about like nutrition like you can only digest and assimilate from a place of rest and 
that's essential for recovering from these stressors. So we just like to caution people that if you are doing that, if you are stressing and then pairing that stressor with, with a period of rest and you're still not getting better, don't be afraid to look under the hood. Um, you know, go see your doctor if, you know, they're not giving you, um, they're not acknowledging and validating your concerns. It's, you know, maybe time to move on or to keep looking um, because the last thing that you want to do is in the pot of water that's gradually getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And by the time, you know, you realize it's hot, it's too late and you can't get out. Um, Cause that almost happened to me. I almost died in 2017 and um, you know, I just, I don't want that to happen to anyone if I can help it. So that would be my word of advice. Yeah, that that is some great advice. You know, so people, if you need to rewind it again and listen to it, please <laughs> rewind it again and listen to it and take notes. Well, yeah. Nell, thank you for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat with you and I'm looking forward to being able to chat with you again in the future. It's fun following the the episodes and what you've got going on in your own personal life. So I just appreciate the privilege to um, share what's going on with me. And thank you for having me. Yes. Uh, yeah, definitely. We will definitely chat again. So how can people get in touch with you or connect with you if they want to? Sure. So uh, you can follow me through Instagram is probably the best way. Um, so I have my XL Rocktown running Instagram handle. And then my personal handle is simply Nell Fox. Admittedly, I'm better at sharing things on my personal page, especially about my process. Um, so you can follow both. And uh, if you are interested in coaching services, like I'd be more than happy to have consult with you. If you heard about me through here, just let me know on the running history form on my website and I'll give you the a free 20 minute discovery call. So. Awesome. Again, Neil, thank you for coming onto the show. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in each week. If you enjoyed today's show, please support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to tell your friends about the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast so we can continue to have awesome conversations with everyday athletes just like you. Until next time, have an amazing week.